if you can spend time to improve your communication, improve your salesmanship, you will be on a path where you can always articulate yourself better, not only in the workplace, in your personal life, and with yourself. I am Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. I've had a chance to interview so many people. And I've been able to bucket what are the major categories that really make a difference over the long term. Now, I can only think back of when I started college. And I went to the University of Ottawa, which is a great school, and I went to management school. And what was very interesting is that we had a series of classes which were all about preparing us for the future. I have to admit, I don't think I recall most of the classes, but there's one that stands out, not necessarily because it was the most interesting but I feel like it was the one that quickly became obsolete so fast. And I feel like you might relate to this. We were brought into a computer engineering class. I was in business school and they're like, hey, anybody who's going into business should understand programming at a basic level. And then they all made us learn this new language that we could use to program. And this learning this language would allow us to be able to code things and be able to be developers ourselves, at least at an introductory level. Well, interestingly enough, that language they made us work with was called Visual Basic. I'll spare you the details, but if any of you are techies would know that this is a language of programming that is not used very much in the world today. And I find this is really what happens whenever we're trying to upgrade our skills for the workplace is there's a series of things we get taught that go obsolete so quick. I mean, especially if you're learning specific trades, like let's say you're going into a specific field and I get to learn accounting and then you see softwares coming up that is automating a lot of what is being taught. And now you realize, wow, this skill is great to know, but it's becoming obsolete. Or you go into different modalities or different skill sets, and you're seeing, hey, maybe I don't need to be doing all of this manual labor that is actually being automated. So what is going to happen in the future of work? I mean, I've had a chance to speak to so many people who are talking about what is the workplace going to look like in 10, 20, 30 years from now. Like this, if you ever watch and read books by Peter Diamandis or other futurists who predict about what's happening right now, Ray Kurzweil talks about exponential change. Our minds have such a difficulty understanding what that means, that change is exponential. And we usually take a stance of where we are right now, and we take a few years looking back and saying, wow, look at the progress, and then you will estimate how that progress is going to move forward in the future. And we're sitting at the precipice where things are actually accelerating so much faster that it's extremely hard to predict what jobs will still be available in 10, 20, 30 years from now. And this can leave us with some anxiety thinking, is our job safe? Is it being outsourced? Is it being replaced by computers? How do I future proof myself if I'm someone who cares about making an impact? Well, if you're tuning in to this session, I know you're someone who cares. I know you're someone that believes in growth. And I know you're going to be able to take some insights from what I'm going to share today. Because like I said, there's key pillars that if you focus on these fundamentals, you will become irreplaceable in the workplace. And I want you to be able to use these tools to think differently on what skills you can sharpen at any time and any point in your career. And it's always going to translate into more success, more income and more impact in the process. So let's get started. The first one will come as no surprise. I have an obsession. 
I don't think it's unhealthy. I actually think it's quite healthy. And I'm actually quite saddened to see most people actually having a negative relationship with this category of skills that I think is so important for anybody who wants to succeed, not only in the workplace, but in their personal life as well. I'm talking about communication and sales. Communication and sales. I mentioned the word sales because it's a bad word. There's a lot of people who have some taboo around sales. And I'd love to ask for people in the chat, what is your emotion that comes up when I talk about a salesperson, a salesman, a saleswoman? What is that image? What is that caricature? What comes to mind? Are you feeling excited? Are you feeling like this is uh, someone that's very honest, filled with integrity? Is it your cup of tea? Is it somebody who lies? As Mio said, are you thinking of a particular job title, such as Fern saying a used car salesman? And it's hilarious to me that every time I ask this question, a used car salesman comes up. Now, I'm actually in the process of finishing my book, which will be released in six months, called Selling with Love. The concept of selling with love is all about understanding that when you know that sales is nothing more than an energy exchange between conscious beings, get this, Selling is nothing more than an energy exchange between conscious beings. You can make a decision on how to sell. And when you know what you offer is so much more than what you ask in return, what balances the equation is the emotion of love. There is an emotion in every single transaction, whether that's guilt and shame that completely blocks you, whether it's fear or pride that makes you one of those manipulative, sleazy salespeople that seem to bring results, but also seem to cause the chaos we see in the world. Yet, there are also people that have not been able to take the responsibility of every transaction, that the burden from that needs to be numbed because there is always an impact for every sale, even if you're doing it from a selfish perspective. And you're seeing a lot of correlation between people in sales that have addiction issues, gambling issues, sexual addictions, alcohol, drugs. Why is that? Because if you're not selling from a place of love and abundance, you're actually selling from a place of scarcity. You're selling from a place that you are not enough. And maybe if that other transaction happens, maybe if I can get accepted from the people who see me have success, maybe if I just get enough money, I'll finally feel like it's enough and it's not because you're not able to connect on an authentic level with the people you're dealing with. And so as you're climbing up and realizing this, some of you might actually be also trying to rationalize the way you sail. And you're like, I don't like sales. So whenever I get in an interaction with somebody, I'm not going to be pushy. I'm just going to give them all the information. And then they're going to be able to make the decision on their own. And I'm going to tell you what I've noticed is as much as this seems like a higher consciousness effort to be able to be more fair and transparent, it doesn't allow you to take responsibility for the sales that you make. It tries to give that responsibility to the buyer. And as someone who wants to preach love and care, it means you need to take chances and take risks and take whoever you're transacting with, with love and care, and really try to offer them the most amount of value for whatever it is that you're interacting with. Now, what if I'm not a salesperson? Is this even relevant to me? Well, if you want to get a job, what would you call an interview as nothing else than a sales process? But then what if you want to get a promotion? Who's the one who gets that promotion? It's whoever was able to demonstrate and communicate their highest competency. But what if we're looking at the personal level and let's say you want to get into a relationship, how are you going to communicate with the other partner? You're going to be actually doing a sales process as well. And even more important than that, if you want to remain in a relationship again, Every single day is a day of selling 
and you can do it from a place of fear or a place of love. But understanding that it's a powerful vehicle of moving energy in the world. And when you're blocked by it, you're restricting the impact you can make. And so my first big point I want to make here is embrace and give the consideration that you may be able to like sales, even if it's not your cup of tea. But you can suspend your disbelief and look at maybe these instances of negative sales impact were at very vulnerable or emotional stages of my life, such as the used car salesman might have been that cars is one of the biggest purchases you do at a young age. And you're probably not dealing with the most sophisticated salespeople. So yes, you might have had a negative experience or a relative did, but you can't use your blocks and preconceptions around a negative experience that has happened to you for years ago to block you from being able to speak your truth communicate clearly, demonstrate value, self-promote yourself. Because in a world that there's so much things trying to grab our attention, if you want to be able to stand out, being able to have the career that you want and be recognized for the efforts that you make, so often I hear people saying, well, I do my work and people don't recognize, but it's not their job to do that work to be recognized. I've had a chance to interview some people within the membership, which all of you members will be able to access this training that teach you the art of fearless self-promotion. It is our responsibility to self-promote and to do it in a way that is ethical. And let me be clear, I'm not asking anybody to be a wolf of Wall Street here. As a matter of fact, I find it quite strange that there's such a culture of us that idolizes things like the wolf of Wall Street, when at the end of the day, you're talking about a giant scam. And so I would maybe not look for my life guidance in that direction, but instead I would urge you to consider that if you are somebody who's going to be embracing sales, you can do sales in a way that is authentic to you, to your communication style, and take a moment and think. Use the chat. I'd be curious to know who are some of your biggest idols in the world? I mean, I'm not talking sales, but I'm just talking anybody. Maybe there's a speaker you've seen at this summit that you think is incredible. Maybe there's an author that has a quest on the platform that you think is incredible. Or maybe beyond that, maybe there's a world leader, an entrepreneur. Please let me know some of the people that come to mind. I'm already seeing Elon Musk. I'm seeing Jim Quick. I'm seeing Eric Edmees. I'm seeing Simon Sinek. Oh my God. Simon Sinek teaches start with why. The concept of start with why is nothing more than a sales process communication tools to get people to understand your motive. And I quote him extensively in my book so people can understand. And of course, we need to bring the one and only Vishen Lakiani. Here's the question of anybody I've mentioned here, including David Goggins, including Sir Robert Cialdini. Are they salespeople? Think of any CEO of any company. The majority of them have a background in sales and marketing. Why? Because when you become in a powerful position of massive impact, your ability to communicate is what stands between you and everything you want. Quote by Lisa Nichols. How many people have went through Speak and Inspire as a quest? I'd love to see all the Lisa Nichols fans in here. If you've had a chance to refine your public speaking abilities, or if any of you have had a chance to go deeper into the art of communication, maybe studying sales yourself. But for those of you who really were thinking, sales is not my cup of tea, I'm going to tell you something. Every single interaction with another conscious being is an energy exchange. And so according to my definition, you're a salesperson too. Matter of fact, we all are. And so if sales is not your cup of tea, 
That means you haven't integrated a key part of what makes you, and it's what makes you powerful. And so as the world changes, we're still going to need to communicate between human beings, maybe robots too. We don't know yet how that's going to go down, but we definitely can understand and be very firm on the foundation that as much as we improve our perspective, that improving communication is always going to drive us towards a direction where we can be more authentic. Why? Because it doesn't just affect the way you communicate with others. It also affects the way that you communicate with yourself. Think about it. You want to go to the gym in the morning. What happens in your mind? Don't tell me you only have one person in there. I'm sure there's two. And for many of you, I'd be curious to know how many people do you have running around in your mind telling you different things? Ah, uh, just hit the snooze button. Ah, uh, you know, today you went yesterday. You don't need to. Oh, guess what? Your higher self often responds. And that higher self is always saying, no, you're going to get out of bed. You're not going to hit the snooze button. You're going to get up five second rules for those who are fans of Mel Robbins. And you're going to go put on your shoes and you're going to go do it. You sell yourself. Your higher self is a salesperson that is competing against your lower self. And there's a sales process happening. And who do you let win? Well, the more you train your communication, the more you start making actions and decisions that are aligned with your higher self. And so I would tell you that if you can spend time to improve your communication, improve your salesmanship, you will be on a path where you can always articulate yourself better, not only in the workplace, in your personal life, and with yourself, which is going to tie into another one of these pillars, but it's one of the most powerful things that you can do whenever you want to make yourself bulletproof as an employee, as an entrepreneur, or as just a person living on this planet Earth trying to figure things out. Your ability to communicate is absolutely key. Which now brings us to the second point. Now, this one is, again, one that I really, really love talking about because I've actually put together a course, a quest on the Valley platform that allows people to be a little bit more of this productivity. It's not a sexy word. I'll be honest. Most people are like productivity sounds so mechanical. What I would like to tell you is that productivity is a word that you can expand to be able to allow you to maximize impact. I mean, let's be clear. I'm here in Bali, Indonesia, talking to you through a camera. It is not happening by other than the miracle of us trying to find ways to be a bit more productive at connecting with each other, at flying across countries, as going through immigration. Every single system in the world is a thing that creates product, productive. There's an output and all of it increases in efficiency as more and more people that are being more productive with themselves elevate their level of thinking to higher and higher problem solving. If you don't like the idea of productivity, change it to problem solving. Whatever's the cup of tea that you need to be able to acknowledge that your ability to find problems, to increase productivity, starting with yourself, starting within your team, within your own company, and in your own personal life so that you can get more out of what is the most amazing, beautiful resource we have on this planet. You can use the chat. I'll be waiting. It's the most, the one that doesn't come back. It's the one that is worth more than money. It's the one that you know you have a limited amount of that you can't get back. And every second that goes away is one that you have to realize will never come back. I love that someone said Google, but it is not Google. 
it is time. Your ability to improve your productivity gives you the gift of time, which is the most valuable resource for our experience here on this planet. And so I would urge you to be excited about the idea of being more productive. Start looking at ways that you're doing things and start asking better questions on how it could be done better. I have, I think I've had an obsession with this since I was a young child. I used to have, so I'm from Canada, by the way, and we have this thing called snow that melts, you know, when spring comes down. And I, at my parents' house in the backyard, there's actually like a slant where everything kind of drains towards the culvers and the water, when it starts melting, would just like kind of flood the backyard, but there would still be snow. So it would kind of get trapped. And I would just put on my rubber boots. I would grab like a little pick shovel. And here was little Jason. I think it was like four to six years old. I would go back there and I would just find little ways that I could build trenches that would make the water flow a little faster. Just little things that just make a tiny tweak. And I look back and it was probably not that relevant what I did, but I look back at my habits now and the beliefs that I have. And every time I can find a white space to improve productivity, make things a little better. I mean, I'm coming to you here on a call and a product of this obsession, I was like, what can I do to make my audio sound better? What can I do to make my video look better? Because if I improve my audio, I can communicate better. If I can improve my video, yeah, I can keep your attention a little more, which means this message can sink a little more. All of it is based on a mind that is constantly looking at how I can improve productivity. Now, here's a toolkit that I would give you, which is inspired by Sam Carpenter. He wrote a book called Work the System, an amazing piece of literature if ever you want to start thinking more about how you can continuously apply this idea of being more productive, which is for everything that you do on a daily basis in your workplace particularly, have you ever documented what you do? Like, take a moment and just being like, I answer emails. That's an activity. I create reports. I do research. I interview authors. I do emceeing at events such as the Mind Valley Summit. And then you get to go and break it down more and more and being more specific on how exactly do I check emails? Do I have a time? Do I check it all the time? I do check it all the time. How much time do I spend checking my emails? What is the emails really giving me? Does anybody really need a reply instantly? Should I have notifications on my phone? Should I answer those emails as soon as they come in? This is a critical thinking skill that allows you to build some awareness of where does your time go and how do you spend it particularly in the workplace? Most of us are terrible in the workplace. You think about 20 years ago, you know, it was fascinating when technology started coming out 20 years ago. Emails weren't as sophisticated. There were still a couple companies with fax. My dad has a small medium enterprise in Canada. I'm pretty sure he still uses fax or maybe he just threw them away like two years ago. Bless him. <laughs> but most of us were like, wow, we're moving away from faxes. We're going over to email. Okay, we're having these tools that allows us to have workflow management and project management and we're using Trello boards and now we're using these project management software, monday.com. If any of you are on YouTube, you've probably seen ads on monday.com. If not, I'm sorry, Mindvalley was using all the ad space to do all their amazing commercial for all the quests, which you've joined, right? You're a member now? You should be. Anyways, that being said, okay, all these amazing tools are available. So did we get like 200 times more productive? No, because there was a level of self-mastery that needed to happen. We still had our monkey brain that needed to be tamed. And what I would urge you to do 
as you come and start documenting a bit more of how you do everything, start asking the question, is there a better way to do this? That would save me time. And as you practice this exercise, again, inspired by Sam Carpenter, there are three major activities that you can look at doing. What can I delete? What are things I can just stop doing because it's not worth doing? It produces no added value. It doesn't affect the impact. For example, I'm going to stop getting any notifications or any emails to my phone because I'm not a doctor that needs to receive an email for an emergency. That all of these emails can be answered the next day and no one's going to have a crisis, okay? And so you start deleting that activity and you start saying, well, maybe I'm just going to check my emails twice a day, which is when I start and when I finish. And now you start putting boundaries around your productivity and realize this opens up so much more time. I'll give you another quick one because I told you you could take action right now. Have a look at where you're sitting when you do your work. What does that environment look like when you're working from home? Because a lot of us have been forced into quarantine and have to work from home. Take a minute, no cheat codes here. What does your work desk look like? You might be somebody who's very, very organized or you might see that there's a mess. And whatever that result is for you, I'd like to ask you, what is the feeling you have whenever you go down to get work done? Do you feel like it's a bit of a mess in your head and you're having trouble prioritizing? Do you feel like your whole work is very organized? And how is your environment reflecting the feeling that you have? Interesting. So I would tell you as a quick tip for productivity is take a moment and set up the optimal place to work that feels great, that gives you the feeling that you need to be able to be focused and make the most of your time that you're at the workplace. Another thing, again, is the power of constraint. I think it's called Pareto's Law, Parkinson's Law. Pareto's the 80-20, Parkinson's Law. Parkinson's Law says that every task will take the amount of time you give it to complete. And if any of you have went to college, you might have remembered this. It's like, hey, I have a project. It's due in three months, so let's do it the day before or the week before and spend those two and a half months doing nothing just so we can stress ourselves out to just finish it when the deadline comes. And so constraints increase productivity. And so if you tell yourself, I need to do this in one hour, you'll be amazed at what you accomplish in an hour. I give myself a one week deadline that will increase your productivity as well. Little tools, right? And if you're asking how you could document, if you're looking at, oh my God, how do I get started? I usually just grab a Google docs and I start making header ones, header twos, header threes, and break down the tasks such as check emails. Then it's like, how do I, when do I check emails as a subheader? Then like, what's my process of checking emails? And you can drill it down further and further. Now, I did talk about how you can delete. Set boundaries, see what can be removed. The second thing I want to suggest is automate. Again, Sam Carpenter is the man who wrote the book, Work the System, where I'm inspiring this from. Second thing is, what can you automate? And when you look at what you can automate, then you can start thinking, what tools exist? How can this happen without me needing to? How can I look at this process differently so that there's no constraint that depend on me? How do I remove myself from the process to be more efficient? Automate. Now, I'm a fan of technology. I absolutely love it. So a lot of times I'm using technologies to really automate everything. Like I sometimes joke around and say I'm the laziest person ever. But no, I am the greatest defender of my freedom, my time. And so if I need to do anything once, that needs to be repeated at least three times, I'm going to try to see if there's a way I can automate it so it can be done a thousand times and then see what opportunities happen. It's just a different way of thinking. The third thing 
that can really help you with your productivity is if you can't delete it, you can't automate it, how can you delegate it? How do you give it to someone else? And oftentimes we try to justify our own worth by saying, yeah, no, it's so complicated. Only I can do it, but everything can be broken down in a series of systems. Everything can be broken down into a series of processes and our ego craves validation and will always create reasons as to why we're the only special people that can do this. But the fact is that if you follow the step one, which is starting to document, you'll be quickly able to realize that I can train somebody to do this for me. And here's what's funny. I'll tell you two stories on how this is powerful. Back when I was working at Mind Valley, I don't know if Vision knows this, <laughs> but I wanted to be more productive and I wanted to uh, have a bit more freedom. So as a full-time employee, I realized there's a lot of little tasks that I needed to do to be highly productive, such as research on my guests on the show. I had to have a bunch of emails that was coming up. I needed to see how these priorities lined up to everything I do in a week. So I went on upwork.com and I hired a virtual assistant for myself. And then I was able to train her on how to check my emails, how to do my research because I documented it. And I didn't even use a document because again, I wanted to be more efficient. I use a platform such as loom.com, which allows you to screen record. You can just see how you do a task by recording your screen saying, here's where I click on the email. This is the folder that I put it in. And I just record the whole process and I hired a virtual assistant that can now do it for me. Now, of course, check with your HR managers about what policies exist about how to do this. But if you're an entrepreneur or a freelancer and you're looking to maximize your impact, where's your co-pilot? Find someone that can work with you because they're accessible. And as somebody that wants to build a business and create an impact, one of the key impacts that you can create is a stream of income for people that are looking for work. And so if you take the time to document your processes, to be pushing your efficiency, you're going to be able to provide more jobs and bring up your value in the process. I was able to be one of the most efficient people and I, everyone was working crazy hours and I was pretty much calm in the process because guess what? I had a freelancer, a virtual assistant, an assistant that was working and we still work together now. It's been four years and she's incredible and amazing and I love her. Allows me to have more freedom and more impact in the process. But I also want to bring up an example that if you are within a company and a lot of times I see that people are afraid to become more efficient because they'll feel that their position will become obsolete. But here's what I want to encourage you to consider. If you are somebody working in a workplace and you realize that, hey, my job that they've hired me for 40 hours a week, I could probably delete, automate and delegate into a very simple process and system that I'd eliminate my own job. And I had a dear friend right now that works in an editing company here in Bali. And she had a bit of that fear come up. She was like, wow, the company I'm working for just decided to outsource the entire editing where my job has become obsolete. But then I asked her, how do you show up at work? Are you always improving processes? Are you always looking at white spaces? Are you always trying to push for productivity? She said, well, absolutely. I said, you have nothing to worry about because people who think that way are the most valuable employees. And the moment your job becomes eliminated, you're going to be the next one available for a promotion. And they're going to put you in a new team where you're going to be able to do the same. And if you can nurture that skill of someone that liberates time and increases efficiency, you'll never have a problem finding work because everybody's looking to make themselves more efficient. And if you can do this within your own personal life and apply it within the teams that you work with or any job that you do, there's only one place you're going to go and that's up. And hey, let's look at the odd example that you actually do lose your job because you've automated it. But don't worry. Plenty of people are going to want to hire someone like you that can help them be more efficient within their own business as well. We talked about communication and sales. We've talked about productivity, two solid pillars to make you an impactful, indispensable employee. 
But here's the third one, which by far is the most important one. And it's one that we hear in memes and jokes that are comparing one type of person versus another, and we're all striving to be this kind of person. But what you're going to realize is that it's very different than the caricature we usually paste, and the word goes so much further than what we anticipate it to be. And the word I'm speaking about is leadership. Developing your ability for leadership is going to be one of the best skills that you can develop. And I talk about the memes such as, are you a leader or are you a boss? Are you a manager or are you a leader? Leader, leaders, they're amazing humans. Look, you can be a leader like Elon Musk. And it's, it's such a grandiose terms. And then we point and we say, oh, look, there's a leader. But what I want to do is shift it around a bit and realize that there's a leader, a leader that can still do a lot to improve, but a leader nonetheless. And there's one thing you need to lead, which is where you start your leadership journey, because we all have a capacity of leadership within ourselves. We just have various degrees that we've trained it. And the first thing that you'll want to train to become a better leader is how do you lead? Well, Mayo just already mentioned it in the comments. So I'm going to acknowledge you. How do you lead yourself? We touched a bit about it when I talked about communication, how there's always a sale happening. Well, if you become very good at selling yourself to doing really bad decisions, that could be a freight train to lead you down a negative path. What will bring you to your higher self is when you develop this self-leadership ability. Now, all of you who are part of Mind Valley have access to all the resources and these amazing quests, such as the quest for personal mastery with Professor Rao, that really allows you to develop your own self-leadership. This is your personal growth path. This is where you constantly grow. This is where you constantly learn. This is where you develop emotional intelligence. This is where you develop critical thinking and observation skills on how you can always show up in the better and better version of yourself. What is a leader? None other than somebody who has a chance to go into a team, demonstrate their own self-leadership capability, and become an inspiring leader for others who come to you and say, I notice a spark. I notice something incredible in you. And everybody is seeking to be led. This is actually a little unfortunate thing, but I was having a conversation with my friend Ezekiel, and we were talking about how the world has become reliant on outsourcing leadership to others. Just like I mentioned earlier, we seem to point outwards. And what do we look to lead? Things that help us define our identity. Oh, if I work for this company, they have a culture that will help me define my identity. And I know this painfully well, because as a full-time employee at Mindvalley with an amazing culture, when I had to make a decision to leave Mindvalley, it was leaving a void of who is Jason Campbell. And so if you don't have that capacity to lead yourself or to do the work of thinking, hey, this is uncomfortable, but there is a leadership within myself. It doesn't need to be out there for the company I work with, or rather yet, what is the things that I can buy that make me feel good about myself? Such as brands. Brands are looking to lead us into making decisions that align to buying their products and tell us how to behave. And again, it's outsourcing our self-leadership capabilities. We're extremely powerful people. And when we take responsibility for everything in our lives as true leaders would, then you can start having a better understanding of what is your identity? What are your core values? How do you navigate the world with a hell yes or a hell no because you know what you want to achieve in your life? And for those of you who are new here to the Mindvalley platform, 
This is the kind of work that happens when you continuously work on more quests, more personal growth, is becoming painfully aware of the areas that you might not be aware that have a blind spot. And every time they come up, that means you don't need to go through traumatic pain to discover things that weren't aligned to your values. You can catch it. You can adjust and you can grow. That's what self-leadership is about. And it also comes with a heavy, heavy dose of self-compassion. Because if you decide to go on a path of being a self-led individual, it will start with a bit of stumbling. Because we've been so trained to just follow the leader. But why don't you lead yourself as the leader and realize that it's a muscle you will train and the more you bring your own self to make the decisions that are in alignment with the goals you've set, possibly in your three most important questions, the experiences you want in life, the growth you want to experience, the contributions you want to make, you know what actions can be taken that take you one step closer and which actions you take that take you a step further. And as we train ourselves, it comes with daily habits, small little compound actions. And this brings you closer and closer to developing your leadership skills. How does this translate in the workplace? Well, if you're someone that can be very clear on their values, very clear on what their purpose is, very clear on where they want to go, and you're about to work within a company or start your own company, you find yourself being the one who doesn't hesitate. Because like I said, you can make powerful decisions as a hell yes or a hell no because you've done the work. And when it comes to going into a strategy meeting, understanding what are the directions of the company, the key thrusts, and translating that to your team, you will have respect from your team. You will be able to inspire your team. And most importantly, you'll be inspired yourself. And this creates what I think is the trinity of an indispensable, high-impact individual in the workplace where you've learned to communicate so beautifully. You're extremely productive. You're always looking for white spaces. You have more time because you're productive, so now you have more of the freedom to see what are the big priorities wherever it is you're working, whether as an employee, where you can jump into new departments and start helping others because you've efficient your role so much. But even even more important is as an entrepreneur or freelancer, you now have that space to take on new projects, try that new initiative, add another to-do list project that you can test out because you've been able to be so efficient with the impact you're already making. And as you're on this journey, you'll realize that the leadership skills you develop on the way are going to be key to bringing you to the next level. They're really going to be the catalyst that bring you to having one incredible, fulfilling life where you'll never have to have uncertainty and always have assurance within yourself that whatever path you decide to walk is the right path for you. My name is Jason Mark Campbell. I'm hoping that you've defined what is it that you want to prioritize within these three pillars. But if you are a Mind Valley member, you have access to so many resources that will help you develop each of these areas so profoundly that you will be barely able to recognize the person within the workplace once you're done. You'll be the person that within the office people will say, something changed. You're acting differently and you're going to be recognized. And it's not going to be by chance. It's not going to be by accident. It's going to be very consciously. And so go out there. Do what is true for you and the impact that you want to make. And you can make that choice, whether it's as an employee, as a freelancer, or as an entrepreneur business owner, but that choice is going to be for you. And you're going to have three key skills you can continuously develop to always stay relevant. Thank you so much. I 
Vishen Lakhiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? Your relationships. How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of a hundred and fifty thousand of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.